Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. Welcome to The Real Bottom Line, a podcast featuring entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. I am your host, Wendy Brookhouse, the founder and chief strategist of Black Star Wealth. I'm in a super lucky position in that I talk to business owners every day. I get to hear about their journey, about how they started their business and why they did what they did. I also get to learn about their subject matter expertise. And the real bottom line is we get to share it with you. On this episode, we are talking about the importance of strategic planning, how to approach it, and the things you need to consider. Enjoy. This is The Real Bottom Line, where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to The Real Bottom Line. Today, my guest is Andrea Ivanka, and she is my first ever returning guest. Welcome, Andrea. Good morning. Good morning. We're going to have a super important conversation today, Andrea, about strategic planning and why we should do it. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? What are your, when you hear strategic planning, what do you think? Well, it's funny because when the first time I really started looking at strategic planning, my first thoughts were like, oh my God, this sounds dry and boring. And then the more I got into my business, the more I realized that without strategic planning and thinking about it differently, um, there was no direction. It was too free flowing. So I kind of mm. live for strategic planning now, but I go about it a little differently. And I know you and I are going to talk about that. So for me now, it's it's fun because it actually frees up time. Mm that I know I get to look forward to. So all of the things that I'm doing inside of my business, I know what, what am I supposed to be focusing on now instead of Girl, you know, tendencies. Yeah, shiny object <laughs> syndrome, right? <laughs> it's so true. I think of strategic planning uh, as so important too, because it's this time when you get to spend kind of with your team or with yourself and be very deliberate about what you want to do for the next period of time. And uh, it's that time to think and work on your business so that you're not, you know, in the day-to-day rush, 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 helping clients, building things, doing this. So it gives you that space to think. And thinking is so important. I I agree completely. It's one of the things I was talking to one of my clients recently, and she's like, yeah, I don't give myself time to think. I said, yeah. So this is the result just constantly in the weeds, right? We actually need time to think time that is set aside just for that. I actually also believe that in this time uh, of, of COVID, if we will, it's become even more important because I think a number of us as entrepreneurs and business owners have pivoted a number of times trying to figure out what the market needs, what can we deliver, how can we still sustain our, our businesses in life? And now I think it's time to focus. And that's why I think it's so much more important even now uh, to start laying a plan out and, and through all those pivots, what worked? What do you want to stay on for the next period of time? Yeah. And those are important questions. I mean, whenever I go back into planning, what worked, what didn't work, 
What do I want to let go of? What do I want to do more of? Because I love the what worked question quite often, especially when people are starting new, new sales strategies or new marketing initiatives. Some things work. They might not work to the extent that maybe you're thinking they will when it's brand new, but they work. And sometimes it's needing to do things two, three, four times to really get that amplified result that we're looking for, but they do work. So that question, I love that you brought that up. It's a, it's a powerful question. I, oh, it's so funny. I joke sometimes, and uh, this is directed completely at me at times as well. It's like, oh, that really worked. So I'm going to stop doing it immediately. Um, <laughs> so kind of having that chance to look back and go, that worked. I should do it again. Because that reflection piece is part of strategic planning, I think, Andrea, like mm -hmm. you said. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, and there's also the, that worked, and do I want to keep doing it? Mm. <laughs> right there yeah. are sometimes we outgrow certain things and especially for service-based businesses sometimes things really really work but who you are as a person grows the the company's grown you have more team so I've had it where there are certain things that really work but now I'm not the one doing it inside of the company it's now handed off to somebody else because it gives me then chance to focus on the things that are actually revenue generating inside of the company so this what works question can get pretty deep when we get into it. Um, and, and to break each thing down too a little bit, because the the thing itself might have worked well, but could it be even fine tuned to work better? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, the contemplation piece. So obviously I have a little bit of a an orientation because I feel like when you do strategic planning and you lay out good plans and you look at what you did and make your structure for the next uh, period of time, you're working on your business, but what you're doing is also uh, making your business more valuable. And for many business owners, uh, their business is their biggest asset. And so being, uh, being deliberate and practical about building the value of that can have a ripple effect out onto their personal lives, to their employees' lives, et cetera. So that's another reason why I think it's so important to do this, this exercise. And I love that way of looking at it as well, because I know for some people, they just feel pressure, pressure for all of the people that are depending on them, their, their mm. families, their clients, their employees. And that happens when you're constantly in the business, when you actually have the time to whew, take a deep breath, go back out, like you said, take a look at what is the value that you're creating inside of the business. Now the sense like, okay, I, I can handle this. I'm competent, right? And I think that happens at every time there's an inflection point or a stage of growth. Mm. People get excited about all the new money that's going to come in or the new initiatives and the new ideas. And one of the pieces that people don't always look at is what's required of me to grow as mm. a leader inside of the organization. How am I able to hold this growth personally? And when I look at planning, I'm looking at these two pieces simultaneously. What's the strategy? And then what's the leadership and the mindset and the mental development aspect of it that's going to be necessary for me to hold these pieces of what am I putting into place? It's really important. When it comes to some of the structural pieces to put together on uh, in your, your planning time, when you're doing your plan, I, I like to break it out into top line and bottom line. And um, we had a we had a, an accountant on the uh, real bottom line who who wisely said that you know um, sales are a vanity number like your top line is a vanity number and really you want to figure out what is the bottom line as well uh, and thus the name of the podcast. However, I think there's distinct activities that take place in the top line 
um, you know, the marketing, the sales. Uh, talk to me a bit about how you plan for those. So I'm very visual when I'm planning. I, I need to actually print out my calendar so I can see how weeks relate to one another. So I'll print out usually a quarter's worth of calendars. So let's say the only one that's a little bit different is August, September, October, November. For some reason, like August coming into September, I need to see all of that together. So when I'm looking at those top line goals, the sales and marketing, I'm considering a few things. One is that new people coming into your world, whether you're sales or product based on average need seven to 10 touches. So from a time perspective, that's about 90 days for service-based industries before people buy on average, right? It's not to say if you have an event or you have like a one-time sale for people that are already in your world, that's different. I'm going to talk about new people coming into the world for planning. Then I'm going to talk about people already in your world. So I'm looking at what am I doing when, so that if I want to launch certain things, there's enough time for creating value for people getting a feel for my community, for what it is that um, I think they're going to need and want, right? So that's from the nurture part, from the marketing, when people come in to nurture them before actually making the sale. It's very different for people that are already in your world that you've been nurturing. You might have shorter sales windows and shorter sales cycles because the nurturing has already happened. They've already gotten to know you. They're looking already to you for certain things. It's like, if you know I'm going to use a, a kind of a funny example, but this is something we're, we're looking at buying right now. So it's, it's, it's a very small thing. We're looking at getting a food processor, right? So if I know there's a certain kind of food processor, I've been doing the research. What are the good ones? What are the reviews? What are the pricing? Now I know Black Friday's coming around. So we're going to be buying a food processor. So if you take this and look at it at regular businesses in the terms of how they operate, people are smart. Most likely by the time people buy your product or invest in your services, they've already done some research. They've already followed you somewhere. They've already looked at something that you offer. And then when they are ready, they will buy. But in order for that to happen, there's got to be a sales and marketing sequence in there. So to circle this back around to how do I plan it? I look at my quarters. And I look at it in such a way that I don't feel like for me, because I don't have a huge team, that I'm constantly in sales mode. There's mm -hmm. breathing space to go work on the business again. So I'm always looking at how am I managing my energy? Like when are sales cycle. happening? And when is the marketing happening? So that there's an overflow. So I know what happens with some people when they're, especially when they're starting out, they put so much energy into getting clients and then they're serving clients. And then all of a sudden they're done serving that client. Now they're going, uh oh, where's my next client coming yeah, from? Yeah, there's a definite cycle. Yeah. Okay, so if I could encapsulate, tell me if I'm getting this right. We start out maybe with a sales goal, like a top line goal, whether that's a number of clients or a revenue goal. Yeah. Then we're looking at the sales cycle of how long it will need to take that person into your orbit and say yes. And along the way, there's a marketing plan that has to be developed to move them closer to yes over that nurture cycle. You got it. I love the way you summarize things. You're so good at it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so because that I think is start of strategic planning to start with what do you want to uh, achieve from a sales perspective? And then look at what it's going to take. And then you have to almost cycle yourself back up and go, is this a realistic target given the resources and time and, and money I have right now to invest in all these pieces? 
Because sometimes I think we set up, I'm going to make a million dollars this year. And um, we don't necessarily have the structures in underneath that would allow us to do so. There, there's two things there that you said. One of my favorite sayings is none of us is creating from a blank slate. And this is what most people do. They come in and they do their planning as if they have nothing else already in works inside of the business, as if they have no other responsibilities outside their business. It's like they have this beautiful blank slate and they're going to put everything they want to do in it. And of course, they're going to do it all next quarter. Yes. <laughs> all of it. Right. And that's what Actually people in do. the first 30 days, Andrea, just be clear. Yeah, probably. Right. <laughs> or probably in a week. <laughs> So people tend to create as if they're creating from a blank slate and none of us is creating from a blank slate. So when I'm looking at those goals, I'm looking at, okay, what's already in process inside of the company? Where are we in relation to the goal that we already set so that I know what am I doing the next quarter? How are we doing with something that was already set? Because sometimes we're like 50% of the way to a goal that was already set, 70%, 80%. Does that mean now oh, because I'm doing planning again, I give up on that goal and now I create a new one? No, <laughs> we assess. And then we go, what's needed to get there, right? What's going on in my personal life? Are there holidays coming up? Are there vacations? Is, is there health stuff going on? How do I actually manage my energy around all of these goals, right? So that's the first thing. And then the second thing you're like, oh, I'm gonna create a million dollars this year, right? One of the things that I found for myself with some really big goals that's helped me with planning is I keep the big goal in mind and I don't attach a time to it. And this is counterintuitive to a lot of strategic planning, but I'm going to tell you what I mean in a second. If I say I'm taking this company to seven figures, I'm taking this company to seven figures. It doesn't mean I know exactly how long it's going to take me to get there, but every quarter I now have strategic initiatives that are going to help get me there. And I found having that intention, top of line, top of mind, releases some of the pressure of what if I don't achieve it this quarter, because I know I don't have all of the resources, strategies, like I know all of that is not in place. Do I know it's doable? Absolutely. So each quarter I'm looking at what can I do now to move myself forward closer towards that. So I find sometimes with big number goals, knowing that intention is like, this, it's, it's more like a direction. It's like, if I say, I'm going to drive to Halifax, I'm driving to Halifax, even if there is supposedly Wendy and Kelsey, right? Even if there's a detour, even if it rains, even if I have to stop and go to the washroom, like I know I'm going to Halifax no matter what. So I think sometimes this is the leadership management piece, the emotional management piece, keeping that in mind can be really helpful to take some of the pressure off when you're doing mm. strategic planning. So to take it back up to the top line, so we we're, go. we're going to um, set, a, set a sales goal or a, a, an achievement. Um, some of it will be time bound, but maybe if it's a really big one, it's not. Then we're gonna figure out um, the sales cycle. We're gonna figure out the marketing tactics that have to happen. And then we're gonna loop back around, make sure it's still a, a realistic goal for the time frame you have. And then you're gonna start executing and, and actually uh, putting it together. The second piece that I think we sometimes forget in a strategic planning, Andrea, is I'm going to call it the bottom line. Or it's really our infrastructure, right? So um, when we look at that goal, if that goal is super important and you don't currently have the resources to achieve it, you need to identify the resources you do need. And then how are you going to go get them? Because that is part of the plan as well. Um, you know, you need to be looking at your HR, your human resources. Do you need to uh, recruit somebody? Do you need uh, to bring yeah, bring another team member on? What are the um, uh, great um, 
the attributes and the job descriptions and things like that? Do you have a policy and procedure manual? Things that need to be put on the roadmap that may not be urgent, but are definitely one of those important things to do. I think human resources can fall into that category. Um, and I, I mean, I would be remiss, Andrea, if I didn't start talking about, you know, tracking your numbers, man. So um, having a good accountant or bookkeeper, if you're doing that function yourself, it, is it still worth your time when you could be off making way more money in your sales cycle than doing the bookkeeping? And in bookkeeping and accounting, there's this thing called the chart of accounts, which is all the things that you're tracking in your business. So it's like your sales and all the different expense lines. Um, it's important that as you look through what you want to sell, that you're measuring the right things to know if you're on track with those sales, right? So um, what are you selling and how are you tracking that? What are your costs of goods sold? And that is the cost of goods sold. What are the costs of delivering that that are separate and above uh, just your everyday expenses? So if you have to hire someone to deliver a program, that's a cost of goods sold. If you have to pay a referral fee, that's a cost of goods sold. So now you're starting to see exactly how much money is coming in to cover your fixed expenses after you sell one of your one of your widgets or programs, because that's where I think we get lost sometimes in that. And, you know, we've talked on this show a lot about pricing and things like that, but that can be part of your strategic plan as well as seeing, wow, I really want to do this. In order to do that, I'm going to have to charge at least this. Mm-hmm. And where people forget sometimes is the fixed costs. You know, the fact that you have to pay for your internet, your cell phone, you know, if you have a VA or staff, there some of those that would be considered fixed expenses. So spending some time with your numbers needs to be part of your strategic plan. Um, and I know a lot of people know that in your personal life, I'm not a big fan of budgets, but in business, you need a budget and you need to figure out what your allocations are about um, how you're going to spend that money coming in and how you're going to cover all those fixed costs with their yeah. sales. And I think to that point, if you don't really understand all of that, get somebody to help you figure it out. Yeah. That's what people that do that do good accountants, good bookkeepers or financial planners that really specialize in working with entrepreneurs. Because I think what gets people caught up then when they hear some of these terms, depending on what industry you're in, and it's not something you've really done a lot of before, is go get the support. Yep. That's it, right? Instead of, oh, well, I don't understand this. And I'm, I'm speaking because I was so guilty of this the first few years, right? I did, I'm going to speak just really openly here for a second. This looking good thing and not wanting to look stupid in front of people, especially considering I coach entrepreneurs. But the financial aspects, when in my first two years of business, I didn't know anything about running a business or the numbers or any of these things. And the first accountant I had just had us doing everything on a spreadsheet. And that, you know, it works, but it wasn't the greatest way to get things set up for scaling and leveraging and growth. So if there's anything you don't understand, go get the support. There is going to be somebody, somebody like Wendy, that can help support you with those things so that you understand how to look at it when you're looking at your planning. It's like it can, it can be easy, really. Well, and I think Andrea, you bring up a good point because there is a mind, there's mindset issues that we as uh, business owners have to think about as we're doing our planning is 
where are my personal, I don't want to use the word boundaries, but my, the, the blocks that I have that may be keeping me from uh, loving my numbers the way I want to love my numbers. What are the barriers that are keeping me from um, pricing things where the value is versus what I'm comfortable asking for, et cetera? Yeah. yeah. There is so much of the work that I do with my clients. They're all service-based industry owners in, in my particular field around pricing and numbers. It's just money is a loaded topic for us. It's emotional. It's tied into the actual running of our business. It's tied into how we run our lives. And the fact of the matter is, this is a moment in time. I'm just going to talk about women for a second, where it's the most money that women have had coming into our hands in the last hundred years. But that also comes loaded with baggage. It also means men's roles are changing, men's roles inside of business and how they've seen themselves and how do we interplay together. So when we look at the strategic planning and the numbers, this is what I was saying earlier, is being able to hold that. There is a whole leadership piece, the whole conversations around what's happening with money internally that if you address them, it just helps it go a lot faster. You know, there's, there's something to be said for grit and tenacity in most of us. If we buckle down and get support, we'll hit our goals. Yeah. There's ways to do it that are a lot simpler to easier. <laughs> yeah, a lot more fun, actually. <laughs> if you deal with some of the stuff that's going on internally to release some of that pressure, because a lot of stories we have about money are outdated. They came from parents, grandparents, and we've changed. Absolutely. The way you programmed unconsciously hasn't changed yet. So, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. I'm going back at it. So we've got the top line. We're looking at sales and marketing. So we start with what our goals are and what sales and marketing pieces and tactics we need to put into the strategy. Then we're going down to kind of our infrastructure. We're looking at uh, our accounting and bookkeeping systems. We're looking at our HR systems. We're looking at our IT. I shouldn't forget, Andrea, we should also be making sure we um, have got all our eyes dotted and T's crossed in our legal agreements. Um, you know, do we have contracts with our employees, HR contracts? When we sign up a new client or sign on with a new supplier, are we reviewing those contracts uh, with a lawyer to make sure that they're properly structured and you're protected where you need to be protected? So I think agreements um, needs to be a regular thing we're looking at uh, as part of our strategic plan. Absolutely. And especially if your services change or how you deliver things changes. A lot more people have gone online now. So mm -hmm. there are other aspects, even with insurance and again, well, online insurance and agreements, all of these things come part and parcel together when you're offering things online or apps or things like this. So making yeah. sure you've got a lawyer to look at them. Cause I know a lot of people when they're starting, they might just grab something off the internet, but as you start to grow, you really need something that's tailored for you and your business. So I think you're absolutely right with that one. Okay, so now we've got all these things put together. We've got our plan. Um, the next thing I think is breaking it down into what we're going to do in the next 30, 60, and 90 days. And putting that, bring out your calendars again, Andrea, because you've been talking about it all along some of this execution piece, but the best laid plans, if they're on your shelf and you're not looking at them and putting them in your calendar will never happen. Absolutely. Well, when you look at those 30, 60, 90 days, one of the, the pieces that I look at is, like I said, how are the pieces flowing into another and different kinds of activities require different kind of energy. 
So I know for me, I need some time to work on things in the business where I'm not facing my clients. So every month at the end of the month, this is now every month. It, it took me a little bit of time to actually implement this. It was a good idea at first. And I stole this idea, Andrea. I used to. <laughs> it, it did. It took me a little bit of time because mentally I had to let go of the fact that I needed to be in front of my clients all the time. But the last week of the month, I don't do any client calls. And my clients all know that. And so they know if there's a really big emergency, they can reach me and my team if they need to. But the last week of the month is working on the business, not in it, working big picture. Sometimes there's a little bit of in because I know I need a certain kind of energy. I'm a little more introverted. So I know by the end of the month, like my energy's just gone down. So I need a little bit of time away from people so that I can actually do some of the big things. And then I put an extra day or two off in there, which is great. And it gives me something to look forward to as well. I know always at the end of the month, I'm going to have an extra day, sometimes two off. And it just like, it eases that need to always be going. So the execution then of things I'm looking at from week to week, and then from month to month, if I know my energy is up, usually the first two weeks of the month, so like women in cycles as well, I know my energy is a little like more outward facing. It's a little more up and bubbly. And I know I go a little more inward for the other two weeks, then I'm looking at what kind of things am I doing in my business. And now if I've looked at the quarter of when are things launching, it's moving a lot easier, right? For men, it's a little bit different because men can actually sustain energy. This is just hormones and testosterone and women and progesterone. And anyways, I'm not an expert in this, but when it comes to the execution of it, if you start looking at what kind of tasks require a lot of energy from me, what kind of things could I be like sick and still be able to execute because they're simple for me, right? Like I, I said to Wendy jokingly the other day, I said, I could be on my deathbed and probably still be coaching because I love it. And it brings me energy. And it's just, it's one of these things that I'm really, really good at. Other things require a lot of brain power or creative work. I know not to try and like shove creative work in little windows when I've been coaching all day, it doesn't work. So when you're looking at execution, you're looking at the energy management of different things inside of your business as well. And the flip side of this is team to support so that when you are unavailable, it's not like everything else is falling through the cracks. Because if you're worried about things falling through the cracks or people not being supported or tech not being taken care of, you're not going to give yourself permission to actually execute in that kind of a way. So having the team to make sure that things are running the way you need them to when you're not available is really, really key. I think that's so important. And I think it can even be almost done at a day-to-day -day level because some people are morning people, some people are evening people. So you could also structure your day with your energy allotment. So it becomes less about time management and more about energy management. Yeah. One of the things I had my clients doing, uh, I can figure out a way to send it to you, Wendy. It's just an article on finding your chronotype. And your chronotype is literally, are you more of a morning person, an afternoon, an evening person? Where is your energy? And giving yourself permission to operate the way that works best. I had one client, she said, but if I come in later than the people opening up the actual studio, like, what does that say about me? I'm like, well, what does it say about you? She's like, well, I've always been told that if, if you're the boss, you got to be in before the people. And I'm like, well, where'd you hear that from? Who said that's true? And I said, could it potentially be true that somebody's way more of a morning person than you and loves being there and loves opening up? She's like, oh yeah, the person I have there now is such a morning person. She loves being there. I go, okay, well, what would it take for you to be okay with coming in a little bit later so you can do the other things in the morning? Oh, it would just take me talking to the person and explaining what's going on and making sure things are taken care of. Okay, can you do that? Yeah. 
But it's, it, it comes back to, again, this, this permission piece that not all businesses have to look the same way because the better you're operating from an energy perspective, the more you're actually going to move the business forward in terms of the things that bring it to that next level. So yeah, let's go back to the execution piece again. So what we're doing is we've picked out all our, our strategic elements, the things we want to achieve over the time period. We've pulled out our calendars. We understand our energy flow over a month period, but then also looking at a day-to-day. I think the most important thing, and I'm, I've been so guilty of trying to uh, execute my strategic plan off the corner of my desk. So I'm serving clients and hopefully I'll get 10 minutes to do something. I've been guilty of not putting dedicated time in my calendar to make sure I hit my goals and do all that stuff. So it sounds so basic, but I wasn't doing it. It made a huge difference as soon as I started putting blocks of time for doing things. So I think that's part of it. I think there's another uh, reason to do that in particular. So number one, you put the time off, but two, now you know that the fact you stacked everything in the first 30 days of your 30, 60, 90 day plan, you're not actually gonna be able to do all those things. So now you can start being a little bit more realistic about where things can fall and when you can actually achieve them. Yeah, this goes back again, I'm gonna say it over and over is none of us is creating on a blank slate. That's, That's that syndrome of trying to get everything done in the first 30 days when you think you're creating from a blank slate. And that's, it's not the reality, right? There's also yeah. just something I want to add here to the blocking off of time is if you are going to block off time for certain key tasks in the business, boundaries need to be put into place to protect that time. Because I mm. have seen this happen over and over with people where they're like, okay, here's either my time to work on the business instead of in it, or here's time to do, um, I have a designer, like the actual designs, because I need creative time to do that. And it looks like this block of time in the calendar and the brain sometimes just sees that block and sees it like as, as almost like open blocked time. Optional. Yes. Optional. Exactly. So all the other little to do start, yeah, start going into that time. So depending on what kind of a person you are, right. I'm going to give you just a couple of ideas on languaging around this. Pick one that resonates with you. Okay. Um, strategic time where your team knows that nothing else gets put in there. So you get supportive team. And sometimes it's like training wheels at first where like somebody's checking in on you at first, just, okay, are you working on this? You said, this is what you're working on because then when you know you're accountable to somebody, it helps. Um, one of my clients that's a lot more spiritual in, in nature, this is now her sacred creative time, right? And she lights a candle and puts on some really like light background music. And as soon as the candle goes on and the music goes on, it's an external environmental anchor for her that actually turns her brain into like, okay, this is this time. I know for me, mm-hmm. it's a cup of tea. And there's this guy, Thomas Burgesson that I look up on YouTube with epic female vocals. And it's this like, epic music that you would hear in movies and as soon as that music goes on it's it's creative time it's planning time like this is where my brain goes so sometimes creating environmental anchors that actually shift your brain from where it was going will help to go all right this is my time Mm. so just a, a couple of different ways of how you can make sure that that time that you've set aside actually is dedicated for that yeah that's awesome Uh, The other last piece I'd like to talk about is also building in um, key performance indicators 
or um, how are you going to measure success of your strategic plan is something that needs to be kind of mapped out in your plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So what does success look like? Um, you know, how far are, is it at a minimum acceptable? And uh, we use this term a lot in our office, Andrea, are you interested or committed to actually making that happen? Yeah, I think that's a really, I love that question too, right? Um, the, the KPIs are important too when you've got big goals where in a 30-day period or a 90-day period, you may only be 25% of the way. It's important to know those things going into it so that as you're on the way of achieving it, you don't go, oh man, I haven't hit it yet. Oh, the company hasn't hit it yet, right? Oh, we haven't done this yet. Well, actually we're on track. Oh, we've actually done better than we thought. So knowing what those indicators are, the numbers and as well, I'm going to bring this back to the leadership perspective is how are we going to feel as we're doing this? How's the team doing? Are they growing? Are they, are they feeling engaged in what they're doing? Are you still feeling engaged in whatever it is so that you can stop and assess? And sometimes it's really our job as the people driving the, the, the plane, the bus, <laughs> whatever it is that we're driving to get ourselves back in line with whatever it is that we're doing, right? So stopping along the way, like what progress have I made? How am I feeling with it? not feeling great great what do I need to do to get myself back on track and being responsible for it Rome wasn't built in a day and as entrepreneurs we can't do that either so <laughs> being honest about that yeah all right I'm going to open this up now for discussion and comments and questions feel free to hop in deadly silence. it's not a silent group I don't understand <laughs> Melanie hi good morning hi good morning Wow, I, I love this topic. Um, one of the biggest, uh, so thank you for sharing. And I, I recognize the value you provide, Andrea, to your clients because it was very, I'm very lucky to have a lot of um, kind of advisory support in the ecosystem, the startup ecosystem here. Um, and I know how important the strategic planning is from like kindly advisors. So, and I was lost without it. I could execute. I just, I was like, I remember having the first conversation. I thought, oh my goodness, like if I just knew what to do, you know, my background's in education. I've got, you know, I've got skills and I've got this vision and passion and we've got a, we've got this, this, you know, going concern of a business that's working. I just needed help with figuring out priorities first and then organizing and thinking of the plan. And um, so, I'm finding now, so, you know, kind of a year on in this journey, we implemented um, an uh, objective and key results OKR framework, which is amazing. And we're, we're a tech startup, so we're running in sprints and the running is where I'm going. And I sat down with our team, we use the OKR framework. We have a spreadsheet, like, where are we? We have our team meetings every week and we, we all know it's, so it's a great, everyone's, you know, rowing in the same direction. And this is coming up to a pretty busy time for our business uh, right now. And uh, I think I just, at our last team meet, I said, you know what? And I, I didn't articulate it this way. I feel like we need a sprint that's more of a planning, a taking stock. And I wondered how you do that. So we're not in a serviceable part. We do provide part services, but we're a SaaS company uh, providing marketing and promotional support as well and services. So. How do you factor that in? Because I felt like I was like running from one sprint to the next. And I knew we had little metrics and we were too, but I just like, what has worked? 
you know, we're coming into the next year. What do we need to keep? What do we need to repeat? Like you said, that was a good message. Um, you know, where are we? Because sometimes things can feel like they're working, but it's like a false metric. So how do you incorporate that? Do you, you know, any advice along that? How do you incorporate that? Not just the, you know, in, in our situation for a team, like how, and how much time would you advise? I know you're talking about the strategic planning. We, all, we also need to move forward. So what's that balance? between those uh, planning planning. or do you want me to you go first girl <laughs> well you're asking how the first that, it's so funny because it's, it's putting it in the calendar as part of what happens in a quarter for us typically at least once a quarter we're taking at least one of our team meetings usually towards either the end of the quarter or the beginning of the next one just depending on what we've got going on it's usually towards the end of one or the beginning of the other one either because at the end, we know it's informing the next one or the beginning because we're starting something new, right? So it's actually making sure that that is part of the strategic plan mm -hmm. is time to reflect because if it's not part of the actual plan, then it's something that maybe sounds like a nice idea. So if you've never done it before, if it's new, you just get together with the team and you make a decision like, okay, we're doing this. Like we actually need a moment to just stop, take a breath, yeah. Like, let's assess everything before we go into the next sprint. Great. Right. So it's just, it sounds like a permission piece for you, really. Yeah. I think I kind of impromptu permission to all of us at their last meeting. I'm like, let's just breathe and figure this out. And so that's really helpful. So we typically run a two month sprint. So that's perfect for a quarter. We could take mm. the first couple, you know, the last month, for example to prepare, assess, prepare, plan for the next one. Thank you. That's exactly kind of what, uh, just to layer in there, because Andrea talked a little bit about cycles, right? In terms of your energy cycle. So if you're having two months of intensity, mm. honestly, I would suspect it's super hard to roll into another one. Yeah. So giving yourself the space to breathe and plan so that you have energy to do the next might be a good thought process too. Yeah. Energy management, right? Can I add one thought to this too. You're you're going to be healthier for it. Mm -hmm. One thing yeah. too, especially like cortisol levels and all of this when you're in high pressure and high stress, do nothing good for us over the long term. And we've become so accustomed to the hustle and like get things done culture. There, we're, we're able to do that when we know we're going to do it for a short sprint. Like there are times where you muster, you muster energy, you get the team together because there's a goal and there's something you're working towards, but we're not meant to work like that 24 seven. Right. So to Wendy's point, like if you're seeing that there's these two month sprints, then having that month in between to just yeah. reassess, do a few other things, recalibrate, get caught up on the other stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not like a meeting. It takes like a month for all of us too, because it's not just me, it's a team. It's a small team, but we're all very tight. Um, okay, thank you. Welcome. Debbie, you do a lot of strategic planning with your clients. I'd love to get your chime in here on your thoughts around the importance of strategic planning in particular. Um, I'm actually uh, processing everything from a very selfish perspective. Oh, good. <laughs> As you should. Um, I'm, I'm giving up my income tax business. I mean, it's, it's almost done. Not everybody knows, but so that leaves me with a quarter that used to be dedicated to taxes for like seven years now. 
mm. that I don't have anything, <laughs> anything in there. And I'm feeling like I don't want to put anything in there. But anyway, um, so I'm assuming that Andrea goes in and works with teams and and all of that jazz. But for those of us that are, I'm a business coach and I have I had a tax business. Um, I like to come together with other people and do strategic planning because I don't know what I don't know. And I see the way that they're doing stuff. And it's often helped me fast track to revenue. Mm. And I do strategic plan. I don't go into companies with teams. That's not how I work. But um, I see the value. Is that something that you do or? I do because I, about half my clients have teams and half are a lot smaller. They're independent, right? They're service-based providers. It might be them and like one or two other people. So quite often they're, and they're in very different industries. Like I've got people from real estate, naturopaths, interior decorators. They're in very, very different industries, but they're all service-based. And so we will usually come together once a quarter. I'll bring like my one-on-one clients and then ones that are in a smaller mastermind together to talk and actually plan. This is the other piece of it. Sometimes when the hamster is running around in your own head, it's getting the same kind of thoughts that have been in there. And when you get a chance to talk to people that are in different industries, but they share similar values, I find that very valuable. So I, I need that for myself too. Mm-hmm. I, I did a leadership program almost three years ago now, and I kept in touch with three of the entrepreneurs from that program. We still meet up every week as an accountability pod. And once a quarter, we're talking about our top line goals that we set for the beginning of the year, we're breaking it down every quarter and they're in completely different industries than mine. So I, I do it myself. And then I bring my clients together as well once a quarter to do that. Cause it's just to your point, it's helpful oh, need yeah. to talk things out. And I sometimes help. when I get sick of thinking about my business, you know, if I'm sitting in a room where I can think about somebody else's business even if they're in air conditioner sales i'm thinking oh if i had that business this is what i would do <laughs> you know <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <It's awesome. true. laughs> and, and i know that then um i mean to your point when i know that it's important to understand the numbers but when i think about strategic planning i think about the activities and actions mm-hmm. that need to go along with that and that's where a lot of the work i find I hire a consultant once a year to come in and do strategic planning alone. Uh, I don't find it as valuable as doing it in a group. I love the idea of getting other comments and other feedback. Um, I find that that is particularly valuable. And you made a really good point, Debbie. Um, I feel like some of the reasons I've been able to grow my business is because I've surrounded myself with other people that are doing completely different things. And I'm like, oh, oh, that Zoom thing. I've been using it for five years because someone else was using it. And I'm like, well, that works for them. I think I can work with it too. So it, it's, it's exposing yourself to new ideas and, and new ways of doing things that can make an absolutely pivotal change to your business. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, I think what we can say today safely, Andrea, that the real bottom line is get, do some strategic planning. Thank you for listening to The Real Bottom Line. This show is produced by Black Star Wealth. Executive producer, Wendy Brookhouse. To learn more about the show or to contact us, go to blackstarwealth.com.